Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of this week. And we have a lot to get through. Kervin had yes. to go back and edit um, multiple stories because of how fluid everything is right now. Near real-time analysis. Near, I love it. <laughs> near real-time, except it's t- tomorrow. Except, yeah, it'll come out tomorrow. It'll come out tomorrow. But let's get to it because there's a lot. Okay, so what is on your radar this week? Well, like always, we'll talk Russia-Ukraine and how things are going on uh, in that war. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss how Turkey tried to help move uh, Ukrainian grain and export That's that out. so dirty. Yeah. Uh, so well, there was a vehicle attack in Germany. Uh, that was one of the things that has been updated recently. We'll get into that. Okay. Um, there's uh, China. We'll, we'll talk about China this week. Uh, they're, they start, they're starting to pay people to snitch on each other. <laughs> um, they're also their state sponsored hackers are at it again, trying to uh, disrupt infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've also got warnings of potential North Korea nuclear test in the week ahead. Um, we'll get into Israel and Iran, which could be headed for war. You know, last week we talked about peace in some countries yeah. with Israel. Now we're, we're headed for war or possibly oh, goodness. And the United States, their Department of Homeland Security, released their National Terrorism Bulletin and updated a few things on that. Staying in the United States, a Kansas woman admitted to training Islamic State members. I saw that. And then this week's History's Mysteries, I've I've titled Solving for Enigma. Okay. We'll talk about that for uh, this week. Whatever that is. Right. (laughs) Well, let's do the weekly Russia-Ukraine update. Yeah, so things have turned rather dark in Ukraine. Uh, turned? They've yeah, been, well, they've been dark, dear. It's it's been dark Where for have a long you time. Been? But there have yeah. been a lot of social media posts during the war about how great Ukraine has been doing, and they have been doing. Yeah. Uh, but what we have been warning for months uh, since those small victories by the Ukrainian military gave hope to some that Russia could be pushed back and forced to make peace. The what we have warned is now materializing. Oh, darn. This week, Russia has attacked the city of Kiev for the first time in over a month, and they've continued to make their advances west. So Russian troops are inching their way closer to Odessa, which, as we said last week, that's going to be a huge blow to Ukraine, both strategically as well as in the form of morale. Wasn't a Russian general killed by Ukrainian forces this week, though? Yeah, so in a bit of good news for Ukraine, Mm -hmm. that was uh, Major General Roman Kudzutsov, uh, and he was killed leading an assault on a Ukrainian settlement in the Donbass region. Uh, okay. General uh, Kutuzov had been commanding troops from the self-declared Donetsk People's Republic. And his death comes as social media spoke of a second senior officer, Lieutenant General Roman Berdinikov, uh, who's the commander of the 29th Army, 
Uh, he was also killed in fighting over the weekend. Now, uh, that one has yet to be confirmed, but if it's true, now that could boost morale in the in the region for Ukraine. Why are so many Russian senior military leaders dying in this conflict? Oh, that's an excellent question. And uh, even though most proficient Russian military scholars are confused as to what has led to this, uh, some senior military leaders, uh, normally the, those senior military leaders will remain in uh, what we in the military would call the rear. Quote, yeah, the rear. I, yeah. Yeah. They all stay in the back and send the... The troops forward. Yeah, the troops forward. So they'll stay in heavily fortified military locations. uh, Mm -hmm. So they're not harmed during conflict because... Of course. Well, they they normally hold the most military experience and uh, and they can gain a better understanding of the battle away from the front lines. No, I know. I know. (laughs) I know there's a reason they do it, but it just, I don't know, sits a little wrong with me, I guess. Yeah. Morally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, early on in the conflict, so the Russian military leaders uh, had been accused of being, well, ill-prepared and mm-hmm. unwilling to push forward with Putin's plans to push hard on Kiev. And because of that, it looks as if Russia is forcing those generals into the frontline battle. Oh, so they're forcing them into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, is there a precedence for these top military leaders to be on the front lines? Well, that's another very good question. So historically speaking, uh, generals Mm -hmm. were put on the front lines in order to see the battlefield and direct troops to their proper flanks. Yeah. Uh, Now, with the abundance of technologies in war, uh, a senior military official can get a better view of the battlefield and lead his or her troops at what's called a tactical or a joint operations center. Can you explain what one of those operation centers look like? Of course. So if you picture like a large multi-thousand square foot office building Mm -hmm. uh, with dozens of desks and cubicles uh, and the walls lined in television screens with those being they'll they'll be displaying maps, troop locations, video from drones showing what's happening on the ground. So that's Mm -hmm. typically what it would look like. You also see there's also phones and radios to help communicate with troops on the battlefield. Now, in more remote locations, the only thing different is the size is scaled down considerably, but the setup is quite similar. So everything a general would need in order to understand not only his or her own troops, but also understand the enemy, would be set up in one of these operations centers. It's almost like you've been to one of them before. (laughs) It's almost like (laughs) I built one, right? (laughs) Thank you for explaining that. Let's move on to what is going on with Ukrainian grain and why that is important. Well, you know, anyone who goes to the grocery store understands that inflation is creating a price hike across the board on all goods. I don't even want to talk about how much I spent at the grocery store today for barely anything. (laughs) Attached to that inflation. (laughs) Is also supply chain issues as well, yeah. um, as and also the lack of a free flow of products like Ukrainian grain. Mm-hmm. And this is due to Russia's war on Ukraine. So this week, Turkey was in communication with Russia to evaluate all measures that can be taken regarding the safe shipment of grains and other agricultural products. Now, Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February halted Kiev's Black Sea grain exports, which along with inflation has led to a global food shortage, and an economic crisis. Now, this is why Odessa has become a very important piece of Ukraine uh, for them to hold, since Mm -hmm. the United Nations has tried to redirect the exports through the port of Odessa. Right now, though, Russian military ships are blocking the passage of close to 20 million tons of grain. 
It seems rather important to get this done immediately, as everyone is feeling the pinch, huh? Yeah. But uh, this is one of the stories I had to update, because now, as of today, Mm -hmm. Russia claims there is no requirement to allow for the safe passage of goods in and out of Ukraine. And they Mm. claim that Ukraine could use this free flow of goods to sneak equipment, weapons, and even personnel to various locations. Oh, that's... I get that's <laughs> going to give them a tactical and strategic advantage over the Russian military. So I'm going to continue to focus on this situation and we'll give you an update next week. So they're claiming they're using like important export routes to get weapons and stuff. Correct. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not. They're not you know, wrong. You yeah, could do it's not that. off base. Yeah, you could do that. Well, thank you for that. Let's hope there's better news next week. Um <laughs> Let's move to Germany and discuss the violence that occurred there this week. Yeah, so uh, a car drove into a crowd of people in Berlin this week, injuring several people and killing at least one uh, as it swerved onto a walking path twice in a district popular with tourists and shoppers. Um, where exactly did this occur? So it was near the uh, Kaiser Wilhelm memorial church which mm-hmm. is a very popular spot in western berlin it's about six miles south of uh, Tegel airport which they recently decommissioned that international airport of berlin there's also footsteps from berlin's zoo and aquarium so that should paint a pretty good picture of the touristic location of this site was there any reported reason for the attack well as of this time <clears throat> officials are being cautious to describe this as a deliberate attack Uh, However, the incident took place near the scene of the fatal attack in 2016 when a failed Tunisian asylum seeker with Islamist links hijacked a truck, killed the driver, and then plowed into a crowded Western Berlin Christmas market. That killed 11 people and injured injured dozens of others. Now, what they're saying right now is they could be possibly linked to mental health issues, but I'll update everyone next week when more information becomes available. Okay, yet more things we need to update this week. Um, We, I mean, next week, we should then move to China, where you said people are being paid to inform on others. Can you give us the details there? Yeah, so Chinese citizens can now get rewards of more than uh, 15,000 US dollars. It's about 100,000 yen, as well as special certificates (gasps) for tips on breaches of national security. Now, while rewards to giving information on spies in the country, uh, it's not anything new. This Mm -hmm. new measure standardizes the payouts and attempts to motivate the public at a time when China has expressed an intensifying of threats from foreign intelligence agencies and other hostile forces. So this is concerning to anyone who's read George Orwell's 1984, uh, which I did read recently, and it spoke of, uh, you know, it's a dystopian future where neighbors are encouraged to spy on each other to enforce conforming to the rule of the governing body. So this is another thing we're going to keep an eye on. Lots to keep an eye on, especially this week. But I, I, I do have a question, though. Do you get the money if you just rat anyone out or there has to be actual proof that they are spying for excellent question excellent question because um it because it could turn into a witch hunt you know correct this guy's a spy this girl's a spy we're all spies (laughs) and they did uh distinguish that if you give information and it leads Mm -hmm. to an arrest okay you will get the money also if two people give the same tip 
then the first person to come forward gets the majority of the money. Okay. Well, well this could okay. also lead to people talking to each other. And we all know China. Yeah. Uh, if there is a, even a hint that you are doing something wrong, they will round you up and put you in a prison. Yeah. Okay. And that's well. concerning uh, to the people of Taiwan. Yeah. Who China says is a part of China. Yeah. Well, staying in China, flowing seamlessly into the next topic, you mentioned state-sponsored hackers were ramping up their work. Anything our listeners should be worried about? So this week, uh, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, released a report on how Chinese state-sponsored cyber actors continue to exploit publicly known vulnerabilities to compromise unpatched network devices. Now, some of the companies vulnerable to attack are actually highly regarded in the cyber world. And those companies include Cisco, uh, D-Link, and Netgear. Well, I don't think we do right now, but I know at various points in our lives, we've had equipment from all three of those yes, companies. Definitely. But I don't think we have any of that anymore. Nope, we have gone to another company that's more secure and we won't name that company. <laughs> What are the hackers doing exactly? But in terms for people like me, okay. can understand, please. So it's very I, I, important because you get too fancy, it's going to go over my head. Uh, yeah, and I just kind of just ramble on. So I'm going to attempt to explain it in the best and uh, easiest and most simplest. concise way okay. possible. Thank you. I appreciate you. So tell me if I do a good job on this. So okay. the, uh, the state-sponsored cyber actors have identified... Um, high-level users, mm -hmm. and also infrastructure critical to maintaining the security of uh, authentication, author um, authorization, and accounting. Um, they then gain access to the users and infrastructure's login, like the passwords and login information, mm -hmm. at which point they can log into the servers of the particular company mm -hmm. and pretty much do whatever they want as they'd have the administrator passwords. Uh -oh. So at that point, any of our critical infrastructure using these companies uh, can be manipulated and it could cause widespread havoc. Uh, and that's as far ranging as a small town municipality's water system to the entire United States electrical grid. Does CISA provide any mitigation techniques? Uh, they do. And so I, I'll link those to the show notes to read because there is a lot that they put in there. And they've also got some downloads for people to download to mitigate the risk. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, I probably won't read it. I'll have you read it and then explain it to me. Because <laughs> I bet they don't um, make it simple. And if anybody else has any questions, please please email. Or if you're worried that a download uh, you know, might be a Chinese hacking download, yeah, feel free well, to reach out and, and we can try to explain. Well, not we. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's move over to North Korea. <sighs> See, we are not moving any closer to peace in the Asia Pacific. Yeah, it appears things are worsening. So mm. uh, U.S. officials warned that North Korea could conduct its seventh, seventh, that's seven, seventh yeah, nuclear that's... test in uh, and the first one in five years. They're getting brazen, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the, the U.S. did state that any nuclear test would be met with a, quote-unquote, swift and forceful response. Sure. But that's not even all 
the this week is North Korea also tested eight ballistic missiles, which increases its already high number of tests this year. I believe we're up to 31 in June. It's oh, 20, wow. 25 all of last year. Oh, gosh. Well, if that wasn't enough, the U.S. and South Korea responded to North Korea's ballistic missile test by launching eight of their own ballistic missiles. So South Korea's president made it known that, and this is the president talking here, uh, we will make sure there isn't a single crack in protecting the lives and property of our people. Well, I got to hand it to him, you know, he's not messing around. It is already turning into a wild year. What do you mean already, Tiana? It's been wild. (laughs) And we are only in June. Last week, um, we went from peace progress in the Middle East to now there are rumblings of a major war between Israel and Iran. How did those two nations get to this point and so quickly? (laughs) So I'm going to skip the history lesson because it's about, you know, 10,000 years of history. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm going to go to just what's happening right now. Smart. So this week, uh, it was reported Iran turned off two surveillance devices used by UN inspectors to monitor uranium enrichment. So Uh this led the Israeli prime minister to state that while Israel would prefer a diplomatic resolution to the standoff with Iran, Mm -hmm. it could take independent action. Now, that independent action would likely mean a preemptive strike on known Iranian nuclear sites, which could lead to a major conflict in the region. Would other countries get involved in this conflict were it to happen, of course? Yeah, so I find it would be very hard for countries like Syria, Iraq, uh, Palestine, even Turkey, not getting involved in a future conflict. They're already involved in people's (laughs) conflicts. So if that happens and those those countries get involved, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to lead to pro-Israeli countries like the U.S., France, and the U.K., being dragged in to protect the state of Israel and the Israeli people. Now, oh my I, gosh. I will say this to just calm everybody. Mm-hmm. I do believe we are far off from this happening, uh, but it does only take one action to cause a tsunami of crisis in the region. Well, hopefully we can continue to say that it is a major conflict that is far off, not yeah. impending. Right. Um, moving closer to home, can you explain what was mentioned in the Department of Homeland Security's new terrorism bulletin? This is going to be not so fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners know the mm-hmm. United States has unfortunately been dealing with a multitude of tragedies over the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd say this has been going on for years now. But due to these tragedies, the Department of Homeland Security has updated its terrorism bulletin. So I pulled this directly from the bulletin uh, just as a starter for this conversation. Okay. So what I'll say here is is straight off of the bulletin, and I'll also put that in the show notes. It said, uh, threat actors have recently mobilized to violence due to factors such as personal grievances, reactions to current events, and adherence to violent extremist ideologies, including racially or ethnically motivated or anti-government, anti-authority violent extremism. Also, foreign adversaries, including terrorist organizations and nation-state adversaries, also remain intent on exploiting the threat environment to promote or inspire violence, sow discord, or undermine U.S. democratic institutions. Now, the bulletin also mentions that uh, even though we have seen so much tragedy over the last month, the Department of Homeland Security expects attacks to increase in both size and frequency. Oh, so even more badness. 
Ugh. Did they give a reasoning for this rise? Uh, they did. So the, and and I believe them. Uh, I'll say that their I think their analysis is spot on, and they probably have way smarter people than me working on this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Department of Homeland Security expects the threat environment to rise uh, due to several high-profile events that could be exploited to justify acts of violence against a range of possible targets, and most notably. The United States is only months away from a critical midterm election that could change the landscape of U.S. politics, the economy, and the rights of the American population. Now, uh, as we always like to mention, it's not one group or one side implicit in these acts. Mm -hmm. And so in order to stay truly vigilant, we have to be aware of the dangers from all angles. Yeah. Uh, So I think over the summer, we may do a bonus episode Uh, that's going to discuss the various dangerous entities within the U.S. and also other countries that may have some dangerous entities that some of our listeners are from. That's news to me. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's a a good idea. We will definitely burn the midnight oil for that task and give, you know, accurate, helpful information. Yes. I think... Right now, we can segue into the next topic of the Kansas woman implicated on training Islamic State personnel. Oh, yeah. Perfect spot Mm. for the segue here. Yeah. So, um, Allison Fluke Ekren pleaded guilty to Mm -hmm. one count of providing support to the Islamic State and also admitted to training over 100 females, including young girls, for violence. And her daughter. And her daughter. Her daughter was one of the ones that she trained. Exactly. Yeah. So we're talking young, you know, just like girls, teenage girls, young, young adults. Well, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, how you, you know, manipulate society is you start, you know, indoctrinating children. Yes. So was this the the bedtime discussions that we. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's literally what we talked about last night. Oh, my gosh. We're so weird. Yeah. Um, was this in the United States, though? No. Um, so she was helping train in Syria, but she had lived in the United States and even worked as a teacher up until 2011. Mm-hmm. Now she faces a maximum of 20 years in prison, and uh, her sentencing will occur in October of this year. And her primary role was to teach women and children to use weapons like AK-47s and grenades, as well as outfitting suicide vests. So how did she wind up becoming so radicalized yeah that's another very interesting question as uh, one prosecutor said on the scale of radicalization she was off the charts between one and ten he called her a 12 yikes now her second husband was a member of ansar al sharia mm-hmm. which uh you you remember was the group that attacked the u.s compound in benghazi in uh, 2012 <gasps> oh, yeah wasn't she there? I think she was there during the attacks. Uh, I, I haven't, read, that, I in haven't a, read, I read that. that in an article. You have, honestly, you've done more research on this than I did. So yeah, I do I appreciate that. that. And I think she met her husband in college. And yep. um, yeah, obviously she was in love. <laughs> yeah, you know, love makes you do crazy things. Oh my gosh, this lady. <laughs> now, she was so radicalized. She mm-hmm. might have been over a 12. Her own family has asked the judge to bar her from ever contacting them. And they're going to even speak against her at the sentencing. You reap what you sow. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are very susceptible to radicalization. So she seems to fit that. Susceptibility. 
Yeah, on the susceptibility scale, she's probably off the charts, too. Well, careful who you marry, I guess. What are you trying to say? No, I'm just kidding. I stand by my statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, every week you get me to ask if it is time, but this week I'm telling you that it is time for this week's History's Mysteries because I'm tired of all the bummer stuff. Okay. Who or what are we discussing this week? So we're going to do a, another great story every week. Oh, it's a great story. I, yeah. This one, I know um, this. So, so June is Pride Month, so yes. I'd be remiss not to mention one yeah. of the greatest minds in cryptology. Now, I'm a crypto analyst by trade hmm. in the military. One of um, his, the many hats he wears. Yes. This, <laughs> so this guy is probably mm. number one on the, the top list of all crypt, uh, crypto analysts. But his story is sad too, yes, though. He had a very sad story. But the, okay. the stuff that he did, and, and I'll get into it uh, real quick here, the stuff that he did um, not only to, to uh, shorten World War II and defeat the Nazi, mm-hmm. the Nazi party, um, but, but what we do on computers... He's advanced it so far that, mm-hmm. that it's just incredible. So he's very, uh, fairly widely known as uh, he played a huge part in cracking the Nazi German Enigma code before his government turned on him for his sexual preference. Of course. Very tragic, his, uh, how his life turned. But they I'm sure sterilized him forcefully. Yeah. And, and I'm sure everyone knows that I am talking about. Alan, Alan Turing. Turing, yes. His Turing test has been categorized as a significant and lasting contribution to the debate regarding artificial intelligence, which even continues today. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure most have seen the movie The Imitation Game with the wonderful Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> uh, but the movie doesn't even really tell the whole story and how significant Turing's work was to changing the landscape of the war in Europe. Uh, not only did he create the system that broke the almost oh, at the time it was impossible. Uh, the Enigma code was the most impossible code to break. Yeah. He also traveled to the United States and said some pretty crappy things about the United States <laughs> <laughs> to, to work on a secure communication system that was paramount to the U.S. military keeping their transmissions secret from the Germans. Now, he remains one of the most fascinating minds in history. Um, as we all witnessed in the movie, he was convicted of indecency due to laws against homosexual behavior in the UK at the time. Uh, but, you know, if, if we're going to go on a positive note, since yeah. his passing, yeah. uh, he's been given dozens of posthumous tributes, including the Turing Room at his alma mater in Cambridge. And a well statue. deserved. Well, very well deserved. There's probably well not, deserved. Enough, not yeah. enough tributes for this guy. Yeah. Um, he's also got a statue on the main plaza of the University of Surrey. Mm-hmm. And without Alan Turing, uh, without Alan Turing, who knows where we'd be in regards to technology? Yeah, and he he was. Th- there's very few people who are just great minds in history. You know, Tesla, <laughs> Turing. Oh, thank you for mentioning Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are geniuses that that yeah. give us the luxuries that we have today. Amen to that. Can't do this podcast without them. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else for this week? Well, after that, unfortunately, I think we are out of time this week. 
Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a moment, head over to Apple and Spotify podcasts and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oquinanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.